very excited to continue uh, our short series in the book of Ecclesiastes. And this morning we're going to talk about finding joy in a sad world. Uh, two weeks ago, if you remember, we talked about how the, the first or the main message of Ecclesiastes that drives home with tremendous force is that life is fragile, uh, fleeting, and frustrating. Uh, you won't figure things out. It won't all be fair. Uh, you will do lots of things over and over that do not really matter. And no matter what you do or accomplish, it won't fully satisfy you. And the book of Ecclesiastes shatters our false hopes in pleasure and achievement and forces us to look at the simple terrifying truth that life is vanity, a breath, and we all die. And as we said a couple of weeks ago, only the Bible tells us why life has misery and death. Futility came in with sin. The Apostle Paul said the creation has been subjected to futility and is groaning in the pains of childbirth. That is the world that we presently live in. So, is joy even possible here? Or is it just for the next life? This book says, yes, joy is possible right here under the sun. Uh, Ecclesiastes begins, futility of futilities, all is futility. And yet we find that Ecclesiastes is a book about joy. Seven times it preaches joy as a way of life for God's people. And it's a big joy. It's a surprising joy. It's a, an extravagant joy. Teacher and professor uh, Haddon Robinson, whom I've read over the years, uh, he tells us how he went through a period of his, of his life in which he lived in what he called the dark night of the soul. He said he spent several months in this darkness, depression, and questioning. But he said, there was a preacher who brought me back into the sunlight again. And of course, that preacher was Solomon. And the message was Ecclesiastes. And this book can bring you and I into a greater and deeper joy, too. I really believe that. So I am praying that God will give us an amazing degree of revelation um, as we delve into this book and into the, particularly into this message this morning. Joy in Ecclesiastes is not found by ignoring the burden or the brevity of life, but by facing it head on. Uh, it's a strange approach, I know it. Uh, Solomon takes us all the way into the futility of life, and then he brings us back out on the other side with this incredible joy. One writer said, Ecclesiastes does not say, here are seven steps to happiness. No, no. Here's how to get so sad that you might actually find joy. There's a certain subversion to it. If you can tune into it, it changes your life. 
The brilliance of Ecclesiastes is however bad you think it is, it's worse. Your starting point is, oh my word, we're all going to die, and maybe soon. And if you can accept that, now you actually have a shot at joy. So the road to joy is something like this. Uh, Life is fragile. Life is a breath. You are here and you're gone soon and you can't change that. So leave all the mystery to God. Accept your lot and go enjoy God and the good things he has given you right here, right now, in this present life under the sun. Ecclesiastes says that God's goodness is right there in front of you all the time. Uh, We don't have to climb the highest mountain or take a Mediterranean cruise. Uh, Solomon said it's right there in your food and drink and in your work. It's in the duties of life, the things that you do every single day. And he tells us to go find joy in those things. It's in a good sandwich or a salad or a cup of coffee. It's in your everyday tasks. So... Find joy in God's gifts. Enjoy life with your wife. Enjoy creation, sunshine, or blue sky, or clouds and rain. Uh, Enjoy a good song, or taking a walk, or putting on your favorite dress, or shirt, or a pair of shoes. Ecclesiastes commands us to see God's goodness in everyday things, and to enjoy them, and even to rejoice in them. But that raises a question, at least in my mind, why doesn't this book merely tell us to enjoy life and skip all the depressing message about vanity and futility and all that stuff? Well, it's because if we do not face the vanity of life, we really won't find the joy of life. And if we try to find satisfaction, purpose, and meaning under the sun, we will end up severely disappointed Solomon told us that. He tried it and ended up depressed. If we insist on understanding life, we won't enjoy life. It's when we accept that life is a breath and a mystery and even a burden. It's when we face the limitations of pleasure and achievement and things to satisfy us. Then we can begin to enjoy the good gifts that God has for us in our everyday life here under the sun. And we can enjoy them a lot. I don't know if this is the best application or not, but it came to my mind. You know, what really uh, helped me a lot with all the anxieties of uh, owning a business was to tell myself all the time, and I, I had it actually written, I had this stuff written in my Bible, I repeat it to myself a lot, that if it all falls apart, If we lose everything, if we have nothing but food and clothing, we can be happy and content. And that was my way of accepting futility and the real possibility of failure. And that gave me the freedom to enjoy the goodness of God along the way. Because in in a sense, I'd already already accepted the fact that 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 it could all be lost. And so once you let go of that and you face the futility of life and then it just somehow it sets your heart free to go just enjoy 
what God does give you. The joy that Solomon preaches in Ecclesiastes is a tough joy. It's a strong joy. It's a joy in futility. It doesn't shrink back from the hard realities of life. We accept that life is fallen. We accept that much of what we experience in life is not what we want it to be. But we choose to enjoy the many good things God has for us here. We choose to be happy in God and in His gifts. In one sense, the message of Ecclesiastes could be boiled down to this. Life is vanity. Go eat your bread with joy. And that may leave us scratching our heads, but it is a profound wisdom. Chapter 9, verse 9 illustrates this perfectly. It talks about enjoying your bread and your food and your drink. And then it says, enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun. Uh, when I w- left the house on Saturday morning, or maybe it was Friday morning, but I told Cindy when I walked out of the door, I'm going to go and enjoy my vain life under the sun today. Uh, the NIV is even more brutal. It says, enjoy all the days of your meaningless life. Uh, I think the New American Standard probably has it right. It says, enjoy all the days of your fleeting life. But you get the idea. It's accepting the reality of vanity, of brevity, of the fact that life is just plain hard, that it's a burden. It's accepting all of those things and then saying, okay, that's true, but I'm going to go face life with joy joy, because there's many good things in it that God has given me to enjoy. The same attitude is taught in chapter 2, verse 22 says, For what does a man get for all the toil and striving for which he labors under the sun? Indeed, his days are filled with grief, his task is sorrowful, even at night his mind does not rest. But then, verse 24 says, But there is nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and to enjoy his work. I mean, if you're reading that, it's like, wait a minute, Solomon. You just said work was stressful and life is hard. Did you really mean to say right after that, go enjoy your work? And Solomon would answer, yes, that's exactly what I said. So there's this paradox in view of the, in full view of the vanity of work, go enjoy your work. You can know that your work is repetitive. Uh, You can know that in some sense it's meaningless or in many ways that the results won't really matter. But you can rejoice in it anyway. Uh, Roy Zuck, uh, in his commentary on Ecclesiastes, called it a feisty joy that refuses to quit under the sun. Many of us think we can only find joy in the absence of trouble uh, so we, in a sense, find ourselves always waiting till tomorrow to be happy. But since, we will, but since things will never be trouble-free, uh, since our problems will never fully get resolved, uh, since nothing will ever be perfect in a world that is subjected to futility, uh, Solomon presents a, a different approach altogether. He says, yes, 
you will toil all your days. But he says also rejoice in your toil all your days. So, I don't mean to be too repetitive, but you just cannot miss this um, paradox as you read through the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon uh, sticks the vanity of life right in our face again and again, but after each section on vanity, he pivots shockingly to the extravagant or great joy of life under the sun. So, there are seven main exhortations to joy in the book of Ecclesiastes, and I'm going to read them all for us. David read three of them for us this morning. I'm going to read them all. Chapter 2, 24, There is nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and to enjoy his work. I have also seen that this is from the hand of God. Three, chapter 3, 12 and 13, I know that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live also that everyone should eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his labor. This is God's gift to man. Chapter 3, 22, I have seen that there is nothing better for a man than to enjoy his work because that is his lot. Chapter 5, verse 18, here is what I have seen to be good and fitting, to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in all the labor one does under the sun during the few days of life that God has given him for this is his lot. Verse 19, furthermore, when God gives wealth and possessions and enables you to enjoy them, accept your lot and rejoice in your labor, for this is a gift from God. Chapter 8, verse 15, so I commended the enjoyment of life, because there is nothing better for a man under the sun than to eat and drink and to be joyful, for this joy will go with him in his labor during the days of his life that God gives him under the sun. Chapter 9, verse 7, go and eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a cheerful heart for God has already approved your works. Let your garments always be white and never spare the oil for your head. Enjoy life with your beloved wife all the days of the fleeting life that God has given you under the sun for this is your portion in life. And then chapter 11, verse 9, rejoice, O young man, or rejoice, rejoice O young person, while you are young. And let your heart be glad in the days of your youth. So, what does all this teach us? Well, pretty obviously, first, we are to face life with joy and even celebration. Ecclesiastes commands us to find joy right here, right now, right in the futility and problems of life. And I think when we first read Ecclesiastes, most people are just stunned by the message of vanity. But the stunning message of Ecclesiastes is really not the vanity of life, but that we are to go enjoy life in the vanity of life. Uh, and we are not merely allowed, we are not give, merely given permission in this book to enjoy some things in our life here under the sun. We are commanded to enjoy God's good gifts in this life under the sun. Go, eat your bread with joy. Celebrate over your bread. Well, you might say, it's just bread. God says, give thanks for it. Rejoice over it. Celebrate over your bread. 
Let your garments always be white and never spare oil for your head. Life is hard. Solomon says, go dress up like you're going to a feast, a banquet, or a party. White garments and oil on the head were expressions of joy. Essentially, Solomon is saying, go look like you're enjoying life or go look like you're going to enjoy life. In Gill's um, old-time exposition of the Bible, he said, every day should be like a festival or a day of rejoicing to a good man to whom God has given the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Of course, we know there are times of sorrow and grief in life. But Solomon advises joy as the general rule for the life of God's people. Our Christian philosophy of life is not life is a bummer and we're just waiting for Jesus to take us out of here. No, not at all. This life is a gift of God and we are supposed to enjoy it. Even the futilities of this present life should not overcome our joy in God and in His gifts right now. The apparent victory of evil and wickedness and injustice that we hear about and see and maybe even experience a lot of the time should not turn us into gloomy, angry Christians. I think the second lesson is very clearly, and, and I think this is, this is, this is important uh, for us to see, the enjoyment of God's gifts is especially for God's people. 1 Timothy 4.3, Paul said, Marriage and foods are to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Solomon said the power to enjoy is given to the man who is pleasing in his sight. Ecclesiastes teaches that while all men have good gifts from God, not just Ecclesiastes, the entire Bible, I think, is consistent with this theme, but Ecclesiastes teaches that while all men have good gifts from God, believers are given a special capacity by God to enjoy God's gifts. You know, one of the uh, common or typical uh, COVID symptoms was loss of taste or the inability to taste your food. And you could eat something good, but you wouldn't have the pleasure of taste. Well, Ecclesiastes says God not only gives you food and drink, but he gives you the ability to enjoy it. He gives you the taste. He not only gives you good things in life, he gives you the ability to taste them and to taste and see that they are really good. So not only are good things the gift of God, but even the, the ability to enjoy good things is the gift of God. Third, joy comes alongside of or with obedience to God. The kind of joy and enjoyment that we're talking about in Ecclesiastes uh, is not a joy apart from God or without God. Or it's certainly not joy in sin. 
um, any kind of sinful pleasure. And, and at the very end of the book, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Solomon said, when all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this, fear God and keep his commandments because this is the whole duty of man. So it's within the framework of fearing God and obeying God that we really enjoy life, enjoy the things that God has given us. So the foundation for joy is to revere and honor God, and we enjoy many, many, many good things from God within the boundaries of his will and in obedience to him. Fourth, joy is found in seeing good things as God's gift, not in making them into an idol. And obviously that was the problem that Solomon started out with. He tells a personal testimony of how he tried, tried to find satisfaction um, and meaning in pleasure and in food and women and power and all these building projects. And he said it just all ended up so empty and depressing. That's because he, he tried to put too much weight on those things. He tried to find his joy in those things. In a sense, he tried to worship those things or make them his God or derive pleasure from them. That, that can only come from God. You know, someone has put it very well that we can only enjoy what we do not worship. As soon as we start to worship something, uh, we put too much weight on it, and the, the possibility of it really giving us satisfaction is just not there. So Ecclesiastes teaches that if we try to find fulfillment in houses or travel or money or promotion or sex or food or drink, all we will find is meaninglessness, vanity. But if we seek God first, if we fear him and obey him, put him above all else, then we're in a place where we can enjoy all the good things that God has created for us to enjoy. Fifth, joy is a precious gift of God. Several times you'll notice in this book that um, Solomon says this is the gift of God or joy is the gift of God. Uh, one commentator said, joy is God's supreme gift to his children in this futile world. And in some ways, this is the miracle of life that we can find joy in God's gift, uh, enjoy our work, enjoy our food, uh, right here and now in a fallen world. You know, David put it, so well in Psalm 23 when he said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's life. That's life. God gives us his blessing and goodness right in the midst of vanity, right in the midst of distress, right in the midst of our enemies. In, in the threats and dangers of life, we find God blessing us with food, preparing a table before us preparing pleasures and good things, good things before us uh, right in the midst of the realities of life. Number six, don't look for big events to make you happy. I find it very uh, instructive, very helpful that 
the kinds of things that Solomon uh, told us to find enjoyment in were what we would probably call little things. Five times Solomon said there is nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and to enjoy his work. Well, we all eat and drink and do some kind of work every day. And so there you have it. There you've got your resource for finding joy every single day in those kinds of things. Uh, Chapter 5.18 says, Find satisfaction in all the labor that one does under the sun. Find some way to enjoy all the stuff that you have to do. Uh, Solomon does not say, go and find your dream job. Go and find that job that will make you happy. No, he said, whatever you do, whatever you do, tell yourself that it is good and find enjoyment in whatever you do. So we're all supposed to do that. Uh, Whether you're homeschooling or waiting tables in a restaurant or managing your own business, no matter what, Solomon uh, commands you to find, find joy in your work. Go, go find something that you enjoy about what you do. Tell yourself that your work is good, that what you're doing is good. Seventh, enjoy your life now, today. Uh, years ago, I heard a preacher say uh, the good life is when you realize that this is the good life Uh, chapter 9 verse 9 which we've already read it says enjoy life all the days of your life now i mean the full verse says enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your life but but the principle is there just enjoy life all the days of your life Chapter 11 says, if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. Banish anxieties and cares. Or I think another version says, put vexations far from you. It warns of, of the possibility of difficult times or dark days ahead. Like life will likely have less pleasure in old age. So don't wait to rejoice. Keep your eyes wide open to God's abundant good gifts right now. Uh, There's food on the table today. Enjoy it. Celebrate it. Rejoice in it. Don't wait till tomorrow to be happy. And then, joy is important for all ages. It's important for adults. It's important for kids. It's important for young people. Ecclesiastes 11.9 says, Rejoice while you are young. And I know there's a lot more there that it says to young people, and, and we'll get to that, but just that statement is, I think, very important for young people. Rejoice while you are young. The CDC released data on February 13th of this year that said nearly three in five, or 50 of U.S. teenage girls felt persistently sad or hopeless. In other studies, 
20% of teens reported having serious thoughts of suicide. So Christian parents, uh, we have a duty to preach obedience to our kids. Uh, We have a duty to teach our kids to be responsible to God. But don't forget to preach joy to your kids. People need it. Kids need it. Teens desperately need it. Uh, So preach joy to your kids. Teach your kids how to see and enjoy the little things in life. Teach them how to to see God's good, good gifts and to enjoy them. Now, it also says for young people, it says to remember your creator in the days of your youth. It admonishes uh, young people to realize that their lives are accountable to God and that there will be a day of judgment. But within the safety of that, it says go enjoy your youth. Go enjoy being young. So, One among many things that I would pray for all of the young people in our church is that they would be happy and have joy in the Lord and in the good things that God gives them in life. Well, in conclusion, uh, every one of us does have a philosophy of life. Every one of us has a way of coming at life. We have a way of looking at life. What is yours? What is your way of looking at life? What's your philosophy of life? Uh, And if you can't say what it is, I'm sure your wife could tell you. Or your friends. Or someone else. Because it shows. Um, Seven times times Solomon recommends joy in God and in God's gifts as the philosophy of life that we're to have. And it reminds me of of what Paul said in Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. So Solomon commends joy, and if Solomon could commend joy with the limited revelation that he had, uh, we certainly commend joy with the greater revelation that we have of Jesus. Uh, We experience futility in this world just like Solomon did. But we know Christ. Christ has come. And Christ has been revealed. And um, we know the way out. We know that that Christ is the way out of this uh, futile life under the sun. Christ has come and died for our sins. As Paul put it, he abolished death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the gospel. And so we have hope. We live with much greater revelation uh, than Solomon did, and I I think we really have much more basis for hope. The Holy Spirit's been poured out. The Holy Spirit is is inside of us. He gives us His joy. Uh, We know that even though this creation... um, The whole creation, Paul says, has been subjected to futility. We know that all of creation will be redeemed out of that futility. We know that there's a new world coming. And we know that even though life is a breath and we all die, we know that we'll be resurrected 
from the dead. And we know that there's just unbelievably wonderful things ahead of us in, in heaven. We'll reign with Christ forever and ever. There we'll be in a place with no tears, perfect joy, perfect situation where we will serve Jesus and our Heavenly Father and we'll see him face to face. So we not only enjoy uh, so much of God's goodness right here and now, we have this hope of eternal joy in the presence of Jesus and our Heavenly Father forever. I read uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, someone who said this, my life has been hard, but I've enjoyed this life and I can't wait for the next one. And I think that's a pretty good way for a Christian to think. Life is hard, but we enjoy this life and we can't wait for the next one. And because we have all of that revelation, that gives us much reasons for joy. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would give us understanding of these things. I ask, Lord, that you would take these things that we've talked about this morning and that they would make a difference in our lives.